We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse. And Dawson will get a chance to do some damage. Look at this crowd coming to their feet. He has given them some year here, and these very appreciative fans, uh, the Chicago and the Cardinal fans, are on their feet. Talented performer. You love to watch him. He's always hanging in there. Look at this. Well, what a Look finale for that race. What a way to finish oh. here for the home folks in Chicago. What a call right there from 1987, the MVP year of our next guest as we welcome you back to Inside the Clubhouse alongside Bruce Levine. I'm Mike Esposito, and we jump on out to the score hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Our good friend Andre Dawson, the Hall of Famer, joining us on Inside the Clubhouse from Florida, where he is the Grand Marshal for a parade for Florida A&M University, his alma mater, and uh, a busy week for Andre as well as he'll be in Chicago, and he can talk about fans for the cure, awareness for prostate uh, cancer uh, coming up here. Andre, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking some time out today to talk about all that you're doing. You are a busy man. I I would like to have your free, frequent flyer miles if I can have those. <laughs> can you share some of yeah, those with me? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I do. I, I get to move around quite a bit these days. And uh, as you mentioned, I'm in Tallahassee, the Grand Marshal, uh, for a homecoming uh, weekend. And it's been it's been real exciting the last couple of days. And, you know, like I said, as you mentioned, I will be in Chicago, I think, this coming Wednesday. Right. Talk a little bit about uh, the honor they're giving you there before we get into some baseball talk. Uh, they're honoring you at Smith & Walensky. It's a fundraiser. Our good friend Ed, Ed Randall, who uh, came up with this years ago to uh, make awareness for uh, prostate cancer. And uh, you are being honored along with uh, with uh, Dr. Uh, San, uh, Gonzalez from Loyola University as well. Talk a little bit about it and, uh, you know, what's, what's going on there. Yes, uh, the event itself is... A Night on the River, of course, uh, sponsored uh, by Fans for the Cure. And as you mentioned, uh, the two of us will be honored. Uh, I, as you may know or may not know, I'm a prostate cancer survivor uh, since 2012. And I knock on wood because I'm to this day cancer-free. The proceeds from the event, will go to fans for the cure and its mission of promoting men's health awareness and supporting men who uh and, and men and their families uh who are, are at all stages of their prostate cancer journey and it's it's an event that i've grown to be very close to it uh was founded by ed randall out of new york and I've been pretty much associated with uh, the project for a number of years now. I uh, set out on this journey. Initially, I, I kind of uh, refrained from, you know, disclosing my journey until Ed made an appearance in spring training. And uh, if this was doing uh, his spring training tour about uh, – 10 years or so ago, 
and uh, during his lecture, it's at that time when I opted to just open up to the group that we were talking to and talk a little bit about my plight and my journey itself and make sure that, you know, they were aware that it's going to come a point in time when, you know, we're all going to have to be faced uh, with the inevitable, and that is uh, to go out and to be tested and to make sure that you, you know, have your health screenings. Absolutely, Andre. The The event is November 1st at Smith & Walensky's, and again, it's called Fans for the Cure, uh, and our listeners can check it out via the website uh, and the email as well. So it's fansforthecure.org, uh, and uh, our listeners will certainly check it out. Andre, as we came in, and uh, certainly great to talk to you, Andre Dawson, Cubs legend here on Inside the Clubhouse mm-hmm. on the Score. We played that highlight of your, your, your final home run from your MVP season in 1987, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that it's got to make you smile hearing that, and I know every time you come back to town, and I'm sure you'll see it Wednesday night when you're here at Smith & Walensky's, the Chicago fans really uh, quickly and uh, overwhelmingly uh, positively adopted you as a, as a Cub. Yeah, it was, it was incredible, unbelievable. Uh, the warm, warmest reception, I think, you know, I got during the entirety of my career. And uh, it was, you know, like a, uh, it was a relationship that, you know, I put up there with uh, the tops of anything that I ever accomplished in the game. And the fan base in Chicago, how they embraced me and allowed me to just enjoy the game again for what it was. Not that I wasn't having fun, but, you know, being a free agent, uh, being in a new environment, a new setting, uh, you don't immediately have your feet underneath you, but they allowed me to do that uh, as as a result of being a 10-year veteran. And I was just uh, an overwhelming experience for me. And, you know, to this day, I realize, I've come to the realization that I've always been a Cub favorite and, you know, I can't thank the fan base enough for, you know, how they, again, embraced me and allowed me to adopt Chicago as a second home. Andre, staying with that mode, and I know you don't have any control over this, but I've talked to some people uh, about the Hall of Fame and how a uh, plaque is put up. And I know at the time when you went in, you wanted to have a Cub hat uh, represent you, even though you were, you know, so such a long time Montreal Expo and so impactful on that uh, franchise. But the reality was you wanted a Cub hat. At that time, the Hall of Fame did not allow uh, players to decide what hat they would wear on their plaque uh, for perpetuity. That has changed over the years. Is there, any, is there any chance, and again, I've talked to some people about this, is there any chance that that could be redone and, and you, could, you could have your wish down the road here because I know uh, your love for the Cub fans was such that you wanted to have that hat on as a part of your plaque in Cooperstown. Well, Bruce, you know, I can go as far as saying this. Uh, I'm still addressing the matter to this day because I personally feel that uh, as a result, it's now a double standard where players are allowed to not wearing them on their hat. And uh, with the Hall making the decision to put me in as an expo when uh, 
they were fully aware that I wanted to sit down and discuss it uh, moving forward uh, before they made the decision uh, to uh, well put the emblem on my cap. I just, you know, like I said, I'm uh, to this day still uh, kind of trying to see if I can get that changed. Uh, and there are many reasons why I want to do that. You know, I understand I had um, a 10-year career there. I'm very grateful, honored, and thankful for that opportunity. But it was just uh, such uh, a rebirth for me when I went to Chicago. And that's where I feel that uh, the game for me was most enjoyable. I I had a long career, a long tenure at the, the major league level. But I just you know, feel that I should have had some sort of say-so moving forward, and the decision could have been made um, in all honesty at that particular time as opposed to how it was handled. And I think the Hall has always known uh, my stance on this, and I, my mission my mission is to, to get it reversed. I may... You know, there, there may not be anything done, and I may receive a lot of backlash as a result of my request. But, you know, so be it. Uh, I'm, you know, willing to stand up for what I believe in, and, you know, that's where we are at this particular point in time. Andre Dawson is our guest here on Inside the Clubhouse on The Score, talking about the Hall of Fame. And, Andre, certainly Cubs fans, glad to hear that. And I want to bring you back, too, because you talk about the Hall of Fame and uh, you had a great major league career when you came to the Cubs in 87. The Cubs were down. They had a down year then. But then the, the young talent started coming. And one of the cool things this past year is we had both uh, both two of your former teammates, Sean Dunstan and Mark Gray, selected into the Cubs Hall of Fame. And that 1989 team, they both talked about it the weekend they were here in September what a special group and what a tight group that was. What what are your memories, your best memories from that 1989 season? Well, we had uh, two up-and-coming rookies who were battling it out for uh, the Rookie of the Year awards, and they were they were instrumental uh, being at the top of the lineup. And it was a young team with some uh, veteran presence uh, mixed in. And we were considered overachievers that year. I think we took the league by a storm. But we were uh, a close-knit unit that performed well. And, you know, we had uh, Don Zimmer, Popeye, who was field general. Like I said, we just went out. We played with uh, reckless abandon, and we just you know, took it to the opposition day in and day out. And come season's end, we found ourselves in a pennant race. And I think we were fueled by that. Uh, obviously, yes, we came up short. But it was uh, it was a very, very fun-filled uh, event for a year. And people may, you know, say, well, we didn't belong there. But we felt that we did. And, you know, we just went out day and day and, and tried to play that way. Hawk, when you uh, look at the 2023 season and the rule changes, how do you think the game was impacted? Did you like the no shifting uh, rule? Do you think that impacted it, the, the bases, the uh, pitch clock that going into effect? 
how did you how did you perceive 2023 to the, the previous four or five years of uh, of baseball? Well, I think it was a huge success, uh, especially with um, uh, the implementation implying uh, and what well, I'm implying uh, the implementation uh, of the pitch clock, uh, speeding the game up. There were some changes that you know I. Uh, I kind of look at, and I don't particularly like, but, you know, you tinker with the game and you try to uh, make the game uh, more conducive for the fans. I didn't I didn't really like the necessary uh, enlarging of the bases, and now the guys have the long to add it sliding pad. Um, the shift, I think, brought maybe not much, but a little bit more offense into the game. And uh, I just don't like the idea of tinkering with the game too, too much because now you're, you know, you're getting involved with the history of the game. But I do feel uh, the necessary changes going forward it's, uh, to make the game uh, a lot better, a lot faster. And some of it I like. Uh, other parts of it. I don't frown on it, but I wouldn't necessarily uh, say that it's at the top of my list when it comes to making changes. Last few minutes with Andre Dawson, Cubs legend and Hall of Famer here on Inside the Clubhouse on the score. And Andre, as you watch the World Series, Texas uh, with an exciting walk-off yesterday, and you talk about great clutch hitting and great clutch pitching and what it takes to, to make it and win the World Series. I'm curious, as a guy who played for such a long and, and storied career, when you think of toughest pitchers that you ever had to face in your career, who pops into your head immediately? <laughs> wow. Well, there were a lot of those. Um, <laughs> and, you know, how you were swinging the bat, uh, you know, they could make it very tough for you. And if you were swinging the bat well, uh, you may have had your way with them on occasions. But I faced some of the greatest uh, I knew I faced a lot of Hall of Famers, uh, but the guy that probably jumps out to me right away is Bruce Souter. I didn't really see a lot of Bruce. He was uh, the premier reliever at that particular time. He brought the split thing into the game, something you had never seen. And when you don't see a guy a lot, it takes a little bit longer to make the adjustment to him. But I would say uh, he's at the top of the list when it comes to the toughest Hawk, in closing with you, and again, uh, Mike and I appreciate you coming on, talking a little bit about uh, the fans for the cure and the event uh, next uh, Wednesday at Smith & Walensky. The number is 888-301-4414, 888-301-4414, website www.fansforthecure.org. When you look at the Cubs in 2023, what what stood out to you about uh, the improvement in the team and where they're going right now? Well, of course, you know, um, Swanson was um, the big news to sign in. Um, the impact player that, you know, they wanted to uh, sort of bring into the fold and lock him up. Uh, Odie Bellinger was on a one-year deal, and you didn't really know how that was going to play out, especially with him being a free agent. But to see the emergency of Nico Horner, uh, Christian Morrell came up and, you know, he just took the league by storm after going down and working on some things uh, prior to being at the big league level. 
Uh, there were great strides that were made, and of course, management uh, got the opportunity to see and now be able to address the needs going forward. It's a it's a young and exciting mix group. You had uh, Justin Steele, who um, kind of had a breakout year, and uh, of course, the other pitchers uh, when they were healthy. Uh, uh, the starting pitchers, pitching that is, uh, they were uh, very eye-opening in a sense. So I think, uh, again, going forward, uh, you know where we are as an organization and um, where we need to go. And uh, I think a portion of that, if not all of it, is going to be addressed this offseason. Hawk, we can't thank you enough. Congratulations on being the Grand Marshal there for uh... – Florida A&M, and also looking forward to seeing you this week at Smith & Walensky for the event. Take care and have a great day. Thanks for joining us on the show. Okay, thank you, Bruce. It's always a pleasure for me to be with you. Take care. Andre Dawson, the great Hall of Famer, joining us to talk a little bit about uh, our friend Ed Randall's event at Smith & Walensky, the fans for The Cure. Uh, for prostate cancer and research. Again, uh, the www.fansforthecure.org is where you can find information about getting tickets supporting this great event, great cause. Mike, uh, we have a lot more to do. We have a lot more to talk about. Um, Chicago White Sox, World Series, everything offseason for both teams. Absolutely. At the bottom of the hour, Tyler Kepner from The Athletic will join us. He's covering the World Series. We'll talk to him about that. We'll also talk to him about all the hot stove stuff that we're talking about. It's great to talk to the Hawk, and we will talk to you at 312-644-6767. We want to remember uh, the career of Dusty Baker, who is retiring. We'll talk to you guys about that. And also, the White Sox have a new bullpen coach named Matt Wise. We'll get into that with the Sox fans next. This is Inside the Clubhouse on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse. Let's see what the Cubs and Sox are doing in the offseason. Could tie it with one swing. High drive! It's tied! Corey Seager's blast in the bottom of the ninth tied game one last night, and Joe Davis called it a second before it happened on Fox TV. We thank them for that highlight, a second-deck bomb for Seager. They eventually win the game 6-5 on a walk-off homer by Adolis Garcia. Welcome back in. It's Inside the Clubhouse. Bruce Levine and Mike Esposito here with you. We are going to talk all things World Series next. A very quick reminder. First, tune in all day on Monday for your reaction to Bears Chargers. Yours truly will be live overnight from midnight till 5 a.m., followed by Mully and Haw, Bernstein and Holmes, then Parkins and Spiegel throughout your workday. Hang out with us on a Plumbers 911 Football Monday presented by Busey Bank and it's not a game, Illinois.com, right here on 670 The Score and the free odyssey app and now back to the world series in baseball and we jump on out to the score hotline presented by circa resort and casino in las vegas home of the world's largest sports book and we bring in tyler kepner one of the great writers at the athletic who will talk a little baseball with us and is and has expertise tyler in many areas but the world series seems to be right in your wheelhouse every year uh, welcome to the show 
Great to have you on. What did you think of game one last night? Yeah, thanks, Bruce. Well, it was a classic. I mean, it was a, uh, you know, you had all the elements of a, of an upset kind of statement-making win by the Diamondbacks to, you know, grab at least a split here in, in Texas and, and put the Rangers on their heels a little bit. You know, they lost all their games here in the LCS, and that starts to creep in. But you had the, the big moments. You had uh, Corey Seager. You had, uh, you know, Adolis Garcia with the walk-off. I mean, that's what we watch this stuff for, right? It's, it's great to see. It's always fun to see the, the unsung heroes. Um, but sometimes you just love to see superstars doing superstar stuff on the, the biggest stage. And that's what we saw last night. And, and Garcia's walk-off, and Joe Davis said it on the broadcast, the legend grows or something to that effect. But, I mean, this guy, he's just been on a ridiculous tear for the last few weeks in the playoffs. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the other side. You know, the other part of it, the Cardinal fans must be saying, my gosh, we had one Cuban outfielder we got rid of uh, who did this a few years ago, and that was Randy Rosarina. And now uh, they have another one with Adolis Garcia. I mean, um, you know, a, a fellow former Cardinal, um, you know, who, who never really got any traction in St. Louis and was, was, was let go. And uh, and he's been amazing. I mean, he, it, it's funny, too, because he's he's never up there to walk. But one of his at bats, he thought he had walked and, uh, you know, on three balls. So we're like, what's going on here? And then, of course, he comes up with the uh, the big home run there off Castro to win it. Tyler, the 162 game season, home field advantage, uh, the idea that uh, the long season is important is that uh, is that going by the boards in baseball now? And as we move toward expansion and the realignment of baseball uh, teams, do are, are we looking at a, a different type of uh, world for baseball moving forward? Well, maybe I, I wouldn't draw too many big conclusions from from this. I mean, it, you know, if you flash back to the middle of the season. Um, in let's say June, you know, the Astro, the, the, the Rangers were one of the, the best teams out there and, and the Diamondbacks were having a great year. They, they really fell off the pace, um, you know, for, for a while, but for, for a lot of the year, they were really good and, and, and they got their, uh, their, their bullpen straightened out, um, you know, as, as they went along, but you're right. I mean, they're 84 win team um, and they were outscored for the season. I, I think these outliers are, are, are going to happen. They, they even happened in the, in the era of, um, you know, just just four playoff teams, right? The Minnesota Twins were outscored in 1987, and they didn't win 90 games, and they won the World Series, and it was a great story. Um, now, they won something during the season. They won the division, and, and these teams didn't. Um, but I think every now and then, it, this is just sort of the randomness that's baked into this, um, this system because, you know, if, if you're going to allow teams to spend whatever they want, um, you're going to have these big payroll disparities, and you you need to have some avenue for the other kinds of teams that don't spend a ton of money to uh, to win. And the Diamondbacks, um, you know, they, they they took that route this year. It wasn't easy, um, but they earned their place here by beating two division winners and a very uh, intimidating Phillies team. Tyler Kepner of the Athletic is our guest here on Inside the Clubhouse on the Score. And and Tyler. Uh, kind of in that vein, as you talk about, you know, the the multiple uh, extra playoff teams and the newer playoff format, 
with the extra wild card teams, and you you get a you get a series like this one, which again last night's game super entertaining. Both have earned their ways here to the World Series, but you've got a pair of wild card teams in the World Series, whereas you know the the big dogs, the Atlanta Braves, the Dodgers, you know the teams that won 100 games, the Orioles, you know your 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 big uh, regular season successes are not here. They they were upset early in the playoffs. What, what is your take on the current playoff format and as they've expanded it uh, from 10 to 12 teams? Well, I mean, there is some element that teams get a little stale, um, you know, in, in those, those four days off. Um, and they will, be all, they will all be playing a team in the division series that will come in hot because it's just won a, uh, a wild card series and they've got the good vibes, vibes going and, and uh, you know, they're, 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 they've got a little bit of a role. Um, so, you know, and that creates a little bit of a, a little bit of an uneven playing field. The hope is that you're, it's balanced out by the, the rest that you get and the ability to line up your starters. Um, just so happened this year, the Dodgers didn't really have any starters, uh, you know, when they opened that series, Kershaw was, you know, compromised and, and, and Bobby Miller and, and Lance Lynn were, were not the answer. So the Dodgers just weren't that good, um, pitching wise. And uh, you know the Braves Phillies is always a, a, a tight matchup. I don't you know the um, I don't think that had a whole lot to do with with the layoff. Um, so you know, and the Astros ran the table last year as the number one team. So I, I don't know. I mean, I I think they'll improve it or or change it certainly when whenever they get to 32 teams because um, then they can just do you know eight divisions and just do the the division champions. Um, but you know, I don't know. I, it doesn't bother me too much really. Tyler, uh, we're talking about Juan Soto today. I wrote a story on our website at 670thescore.com yesterday about uh, Soto going to be out there for sure. The Padres looking to uh, dump some money and also uh, bring in some younger, talent, more controllable talent. What are your thoughts about uh, what that would be worth on the open market for a one-year buy-in for teams like the Cubs, a Soto, or possibly trading for an Alonzo? What, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, it's tricky because, you know, these guys are are both Scott Boris clients and they'll be going to free agency. I mean, that's what um, that's a big reason why you hire Scott to go take you on the open market and, and work his magic. So, you know, if, if you're going to be trading for these guys, you're only going to get them for one year and you've got to make sure it's this is the a year when you think that it can make that that huge difference. Um no, and, and 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 I I'm sure they'll have a market for it. And anytime you have multiple suitors, that's gonna that's gonna raise the price. But um, no, I don't think the, the the Padres will come anything close to what they gave up to get him because they were getting him for three October's, um, and and the new team will only be getting him for one. So um, you know, I, I they'll get they'll get someone good. Maybe they'll just try to focus on the best single prospect they can find. But, uh, you know, I don't know. It, it, it's, uh, it does make sense from the Padres' perspective because they went all in this year. And, and at some point, they've got to start thinking not so much about finances, but just about um, talent down, down the road when some of these guys leave or get old. Last few minutes with Tyler Kepner of The Athletic here on Inside the Clubhouse. And Tyler, the other side of that Juan Soto coin for the Cubs and another Boris client. Cody Bellinger, uh, one of the big free agents this offseason, had a wonderful year in a one-year deal uh, with the Cubs. And I know, you know, the the affection on each side is mutual, but do you see Bellinger coming back to the Cubs, or is, is he going to be a Yankee or somewhere else by the time next year starts? 
Well, um, my guess is he'll go to the highest bidder and, and whoever shows the most faith in him. And, and that really is what it will be is, is, is a show of faith, you know, because you don't have um, a track record of consistency over the years. And I think it'll say a lot about him if the Cubs really do make a very strong pursuit because that'll show that the team that knows him best most recently um, thinks that this is real. And if the Cubs, you know, kind of back off, that, that, that gives you some pause to think, well, what did they see that they, they don't think that this is, that this is real? So I don't know. I mean, I, I think you, you look at the highs with Cody Bellinger and they're really, really high. And, and, and if you think, you know, that he's unlocked something that can make him more consistent, then I don't see why you don't, you know, go, go for it because he is a, a real difference making kind of player and he's very young. So, but you know that with, with Boris, he's going to, he will, he almost always finds that dollar figure somewhere. He finds an owner to make his case to successfully. And so, you know, will that be the Cubs? They'll, they're they're going to have to, they're going to have to spend a lot to uh, to find out, but um, I'm sure nobody in Chicago really cares how much the Rickets make. They just want to win. Tyler, my last question, and Mike and I really appreciate uh, you joining us again today. I know you have coverage coming up for the World Series, uh, so uh, certainly appreciate that. But when you uh, when you look at uh, media coverage of the World Series now, I I didn't know that Tom Verducci was a bench coach or Ken Rosenthal was a bench coach. You know, you hmm. see them in the dugout now during the game. It's not even taped. Uh, you know, not, so we have a new advent of live interviews while the game is going on with a manager. What What are your thoughts about that? I, I think it's intriguing and interesting for fans. I wonder, I wonder how uh, teams and managers and uh, and players look at that. Well, it's something that they, you know, that, that the league and, and the union agree to. So it's it's not like it's something that they, you know, is is a intrusion that's that's uh, that they have to, you know, just just live with because it's part of the deal. It's part of you know what it's baked into Fox um, getting you know giving as much money as they do, spending as much money as they do to, to broadcast this is 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 those special kind of rights and those to, to make the broadcast different. Um, you know, it's weird. Some fans don't seem to like it, but I'm like, they're bringing the players right to you from the from the dugout. Like, why would you, you know, complain about it? I mean, you know, the the, if the players are the players all handle it courteously and, and and fine. And and if there's good nuggets to find out, they're going to come from smart questions from people like uh, Verducci and, and Rosenthal. So I, I just see it as a win-win. As you know, it's, it's, the, it's not like they're just like I said, just jumping out of the stands to 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 run into the dugout they have this is all prearranged and and they know about it and i think it's cool i think it's fun would you like to see it during your season what's that would you like to see it during the regular season yeah why not i mean I, you know I, I think it's uh if it adds to the broadcast and it, it, if it adds to the fans experience and brings them a little bit closer to um to the players why not i think you just need to ask good questions i've always felt that like you know, you, maybe you're going to get a little more of a rush to answer in a, in a dugout setting, but I think most of the time, if you ask good questions, you'll get you'll get good answers, and I, I, I think it's neat. I think it's cool. Tyler, I'm Tyler, with you on that. Certainly yeah, appreciate we, we, that. We we do appreciate your time today, and uh, I'll give you the uh, I'll, I'll ask you one question before we go. What is your 
favorite game one World Series game of all time? Because you have an expertise in a lot of areas. The World Series is one of them. Where where would you go? Would you go all the way back to uh, 100 years ago, or is it the Gibson uh, game from 1988? Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the first one I think of, right, the Gibson game in 88. It's just, uh, you know, I went back and watched, because as, as I'm watching this game last night, I'm thinking, I kept thinking of a line that Scully said, not after the home run, but early in that Gibson at bat where he where he said, "Not a bad opening act," and I, I kept thinking that, like, <laughs> you know, this is this is a pretty good, not a bad opening act we got going on here. I don't know how it's going to finish, but not a bad opening act. So I'll uh, I'll go chalk and take that one. I mean, there are other good ones, but it's 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 hard to top that man. It's a uh, you know Mike Davis walking with two outs. You know yeah. he doesn't walk yeah. he doesn't walk a one ninety six hitter. We never see Gibson come to the plate, but Eckersley never Eckersley faced 95 more batters in his postseason career. Never walked anyone, but he walked yeah, Mike Davis pretty... to get to Eck, to get to Gibson, and Gibson swung into history. It's it's an amazing stat, and uh, you are uh, certainly one of the savants when it comes to World Series information. Tyler, thanks so much for joining me and Mike today, and enjoy the rest of the World Series. Again, it was great having you on Inside the Clubhouse. Take care. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Tyler Kepner of The Athletic. We certainly enjoyed talking to him, and we're going to continue one more segment here, Bruce, as uh, we do our Chicago-bound segment next, and we're going to continue our discussion of Juan Soto as we have been all season. I'd also like to bring in our old pal Dusty Baker into the conversation as he is making news this week as he is confirmed he will be retiring from managing. That's Bruce Levine. I'm Mike Esposito. You've got Inside the Clubhouse on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com and always live on the free Odyssey app presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. I started this winter thinking about it and then there were a couple instances, a couple articles, a couple things that that kind of made up my mind, um, you know, in late summer. And, uh, but, you know, that didn't have anything uh, to do with tarnishing my job or anything like that because I wanted to win because that is, you know, I had a couple businesses, but nothing satisfies me like, like the thrill of competition and, and, and the quest to win. And it gave me an opportunity to, you know, to be a champion, even though I always felt like a champion. I just want to say thank you. Uh, um, you know, retiring from from the field here in Houston, I haven't made up my mind yet what I'm what I'm going to do or where I'm going to go. First, I'm going to go home talk to my daughter that thinks that she's my mother, and um, uh, spend some time with my grandkids and, and and let the Lord tell me where to go and and what to do. That's Dusty Baker. World Championship Manager with the Astros uh, last season, announcing his retirement uh, after this season exit from the playoffs. And you've got Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and Mike Esposito. And, Bruce, I wanted to to bring Dusty up. Obviously, a Hall of Fame career as a manager, great playing career. He's been in the game for 50-plus years now. Um, But really, with his local connection, 
th- I thought his hiring by the Cubs in 2003 was was a huge seismic shift for the Cubs organization. I remember being at that press conference, the welcome press conference that Dusty Baker had at Wrigley Field, and I'm sure you were there as well. Uh, but it just seemed like a, a massive, massive event. It was as if they had hired the, the, the king of baseball. Well, he was a great manager and, and a great person in baseball history, a terrific ball player, certainly you know, be remembered for an awful lot of things, including being on, on deck, waiting to hit when Hank Aaron uh, broke Babe Ruth's record back in 1974, hitting 715 in Atlanta. But, uh, you know, his manager career was uh, certainly solidified last year by finally winning a World Series. He was a Hall of Fame manager before that. I'm wishing him nothing but uh, seashells and balloons going forward. At 74 years old plus, uh, just still getting it done, getting his uh, team to the uh, ALCS every year since he stepped back in there with Houston, giving them tremendous credibility, Mike, uh, after that scandal broke out and, uh, and Houston was in shambles as far as credibility goes, as well as the idea that... Uh, you know, they were booed for a long time. Dusty was the right man, the perfect guy moving forward. Uh, just a terrific uh, individual to deal with. Uh, I w- enjoyed all four years of Dusty being here, continue to be friends with him. And that, that leads us to, you know, the last uh, couple of moments on the show, Mike, and the managerial wheel is turning. There are mm-hmm. six, six jobs that are open for managers and we're approaching the general managers' meetings here only 10 days away uh, in Scottsdale, Arizona. Six teams, Houston now with Baker gone. San Diego now that Melvin has moved to the Giants. Cleveland now that Tito has retired from the Indians. Milwaukee has given Craig Council the permission to look at all these other jobs. He will likely not be back there. The New York Mets fired Buck Showalter. The Angels fired Phil Nevin. I can never remember six jobs being open uh, this late uh, after the World Series uh, or after the season has ended, almost a month in and all these openings. So it's going to be intriguing here over the next few weeks after the World Series ends to see who jumps into some of these new jobs. Absolutely. And you mentioned Council already uh, being given permission to interview elsewhere. I saw that he interviewed with the Mets this past week. And and really, when you look at it, too, some huge, some big market jobs. I mean, the Astros job is a great big market job. The Angels, the Mets, goes without saying, one of the, the biggest jobs in baseball. So, so some not-so-small uh, openings there, which uh, will be some important uh, decisions to make by these organizations, certainly, as to who they hire to, to manage their teams. We have people to thank today, including always Sean Sears, who does a terrific job of producing our show uh, of course, uh, Andre Dawson, the Hawk Hall of Famer, joined us to talk about the event Fans for the Cure at Smith & Walensky on Wednesday night. Uh, we appreciate Tyler Kepner from The Athletic. Mike, terrific job. We're expecting our friend David Haw to join us for his perspective again next week and join us in the future every Saturday for perspective. People can follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine on our website, 670thescore.com. Mike, I will talk to you next Saturday. Sounds great, Bruce. Looking forward to that. Uh, Bruce just thanked our guests and Sean Sears. Great job as always. Coming up next here, we have 
Saturday Suckage. Our friend Steve Rosenblum will talk to Mark Grody. He'll talk to Hub Arkish. He'll talk to Ricky O'Donnell. Talk Bears, talk Cubs, Sox, Bulls, everything Chicago sports. That's coming up next here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score.